0: Let's just have a brief prayer and then we'll dive into today's message on joy that inspires spiritual growth. Father in heaven, we ask that you would um, oversee this time in your word and that you would bless it and cause it to bring honor and glory to your name. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So point number one in your outline, which is in your program, is this. What does love have to do with life? What does love have to do with life? I almost felt like putting in, you know, what's love got to do with it? And then I thought, nah, that would spoil it for everybody. But anyway, what does love have to do with life? And in a word, in one word, everything. Everything. I'm reminded of John's statement in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 12 that simply says the following, He who has the Son, by accepting Him as Lord and Savior, has the life. That is eternal life. He who does not have the Son of God, by personal faith, does not have life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. A verse I memorized shortly after receiving Christ way back in 1973 was John chapter 3 and verse 16, and it says the following, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that He gave. In loving us, God, figuratively ask the question what do they need what do they need and the answer was simple we needed a savior so he sent Jesus to provide us with salvation that's what biblical unconditional love does love unconditional love asks questions about the other person basically saying, what does this person need? And then trying to fill in the blank. What can I do to facilitate that need, to meet that need? What can I do uh, in the response to this individual? Did you ever notice what it says after verse 16 in John chapter 3? Check verses 17 through 19 out, which by the way you might want to write down, but it says the following. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Every time you're in a conversation with people that are lost, a majority of the time, they're wondering how come God is judging them. What are you judging me for? And God didn't send Jesus to judge, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, God did not send Jesus into the world to judge the world. God didn't send Jesus into the world with a whip. To punish all of us bad sinners, which we are. We're sinners, we we know we deserve it, but he didn't didn't send Jesus to come around cracking the whip, you know, bad boy, bad girl, bad boy, bad girl, no. He sent Jesus to give his life as a ransom for us. We must die to the self-life and receive the life that God offers us in Christ. We must die in order to live. I know it sounds counterproductive, but it reminds me of Paul who stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the latter part of verse 31, I die daily. Every day Paul says, I die. I die because I, uh, I think Paul doesn't say it, but I think for myself, the biggest problem I have is me. The biggest conflict I have with God is I, me, mine, myself. Um, Or I think of John the Baptist's comment in John chapter three and verse 30 where where John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus even told a parable on this subject in John's gospel in chapter 12 of John Verses 23 to 26, he told this story and it says the following. Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to, give, to be given his glory. I tell you for certain that a grain of wheat that falls on the ground will never be more than one grain unless it dies. But if it dies, it will produce lots of wheat. If you love your life, you will lose it. Think about that. Mine. If you love your life, you will lose it. I can't lose the impression in my head of Shmigol, who turned into Gollum, you know? I mean, he was, he was so possessed with mine. Mine. It overtake, overtook him. Yes. If you give it up, give up your life in this world, you'll be given eternal life. If you serve me, you must go with me. My servants will be with me forever, wherever I am. If you serve me, my Father will honor you. We're not called to give up our lives and receive his. We are called to, to live out the greatest commandment ever we were called to love God and to love others. In Matthew chapter 22 verses 35 through 40, but in verse 35 the Pharisees decided to play a trick on Jesus. And so they asked him, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus responded in verses 37 through 40 by saying this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. We must love God and we must love our neighbor also. Love God and love one another. Or you can put it even simpler. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. How do you love God? God doesn't have any needs. Well, there is one. There's one need that God has that he seeks all the time from his kids. Glory. Right. Amen. Glory and praise. So we ask, God, you deserve glory. And then you ask the question, how can I live my life? What can I do? in order to bring honor and glory to you. Well, then you work on it. Or you ask somebody else, you know, you ask the question, what do they need and what can I do to help meet that need? You know, I used to think about this when, when the kids were smaller and and Ruth and I were a lot younger. I thought, what can I do? And I said, well, there is a law in the Bible that says thou shalt not kill. I can't do that. I'm kidding. But I did often ask the question, what can I do to help my kids? What can I do to help each one of them in their situation, what they were facing? And you know, I wish I knew everything that was going on in their lives and in their heads, but I had no idea sometimes what was going on. I mean, they're great kids, but I'm not a mind reader, and I'm not God. But loving them and loving other people in the the community of Christ is really simple. Ask the question, what do they need? Not what do they want. What do they need? And then asking the question, what can I do to help facilitate that? What can I do to help meet that need? And sometimes there are things that you can think of, but you just can't do everything. And so you have to keep asking, what can I do? You know, they need X, Y, Z. Well, I can't do that. Well, what can you do? What do they need? Look at First John chapter 4, verses 7, which says, write this down in your notes. It says, my dear friends, we must love each other. We must love each other. Love comes from God. And when we love each other, it shows we have been given new life. We are now God's children and we know Him. Love each other. We must love each other. It is, it is the easiest thing in the world to talk. It's easiest to express we have this amazing love for one another and then mistreat each other and not love one another. This love is sacrificial. This love costs a lot. I think about Jesus. Jesus loved us so much he gave his life for us. Jesus loved us and he gave. Loved us and he gave. And so we love and we give. Oh how he loves us. Jesus is the epitome of love. In fact, God is not only acting in his love toward us, God is love, and God loves you. God loves you. There's a whole lot of people who may not love you, and uh, you don't bo- don't bother cashing that check, thinking about that check, or even wondering about that. There are certain people that just don't like you. It's okay. They don't love you. It's their tough luck. Yeah, right. I know it's it's silly, but anyway. What, what you and I need to do is focus on the fact that God loves us and God will sustain us and God has given us a new life and God has given us power. There's so many things that God has blessed us. Check out 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So we have to call upon the Lord to help us to love one another. And the love that's being described here, the love that God is, is agape love. It's unconditional love. There are different kinds of love. There's eros, phileos, storge, all kinds of love that describe various things. Uh, But there's only one love, God's love, agape love, that is unconditional, sacrificial, and makes the choice to love you and give you what you need. This agape love exceeds even our greatest gifts of prophecy and knowledge. It's better than all of that. Notice, I want you to notice 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2 which you might need to write down as well. First Corinthians 13, 2 says, What if I have the gift of prophecy and blessed with knowledge and insight to all the mysteries? Or what if my faith is strong enough to scoop up a mountain from its bedrock? Yet I live without love. If so, I am nothing. I am nothing. This is agape love. It's... it's uh, it's the most pure. It's the most holy. It's the most powerful. It's the most wonderful type of love. It's unconditional. You know, uh, uh, you don't you you don't you don't love someone with the expectation of agape. You don't love someone expecting to be blessed in return. I love you so now you love me. No, I loved you. I gave you agape love. Period and finished. Whether you can repay it, don't want to repay it, will repay it, has no merit on this thing. I love you, and I'm going to show you this love. So this is what this is what's so important today is that this passage in Philippians gives us the steps towards spiritual growth. And uh, I want to read the passage before we go any further. Philippians one nine to eleven. Paul says, This I pray, that your love, agape, may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The second point in your notes today is spiritual growth starts by us overflowing in the love of God. Overflowing in the love of God. These steps I'm giving you, one builds upon the other. You can't have one and not move on and you can't exclude one and move on. So, all of these are essential. The first one is It starts with abounding, overflowing in the love of God. Philippians 1.9 says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. I thought it'd be important to talk about this love together. First thing is this love is from God. This love is not manufactured. This love, you can't go buy it on eBay. You can't get it from, from um, Amazon. You can't get it anywhere. That's right. You can't go get it. No. This love comes from God and God alone. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, write this down. It says, Dear friends, let us continue... To love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So it is from God. You get this love through knowing God. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive this love. And this love becomes an automatic part of you. Love automatically is the result of receiving Christ. So it's not only from God, it is also automatic. A couple of verses you might want to jot down. One is Romans 5.5, 5, where he says, We know this because God has poured out His love to fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit He gave us. God fills our lives with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is what fills us with His love. Or 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14 says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. I don't know, I feel like saying, can I hear an amen? amen. We, know, we know we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Yeah. And it's not always easy to love each other unconditionally you know and so here you are the one who does not love remains in death remains in death so love is from God you get it from God love is automatic when it comes in it just fills your life up and then thirdly love is deliberate love is deliberate by that I mean this it is a decisive action. It's automatic, yes. It's from God, yes. It fills you up, yes. But you have to make a decision to open it up and let it flow. John 13:34. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. You love each other the same way I have loved you. When you look at Jesus' love for his disciples and for everybody, it's really interesting. There's only one group in all of the groupings of the people that Jesus had a hard time with. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees because they weren't fair, you see. Or the Sadducees because they were very sad, you see? Anyway, the religious leaders, basically, the religious leaders, they were so stuck on all of this and that and the other, and they talked the right talk, but they lacked the right credibility. They didn't have love. They didn't have love. And then the other thing about love, this love is that is to abound. When we read the passage in, in uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, I pray that your love may, may abound still more and more. That your love may abound more and more. It never becomes less. It always, it always becomes more. The more you walk with him, the more you know him, the more his love grows and grows and grows and grows and grows you become a giant love puppy. You become somebody that just can't help but to love people. And people are are kind of amazed by that kind of unconditional love. Write this verse down also, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. He says, May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as your love For you, just as our love for you, Paul says, overflows. And then a final thing about this love is that it not only abounds, it grows more and more and more, but it also has discernment. It has discernment. This love understands sometimes the key between loving someone and seeing that someone receive the benefit from it or loving someone and seeing that person not receive the benefit, or not loving someone because they are not prepared for it. It's discerning love. It's not just love at all costs. It's discerning love. It's not blind love. It is a love that discerns. Paul uses for this word discernment the Greek word ascetis for discernment. It's the source that we use in English for the word aesthetic, which largely has to do with personal taste and preference. But in the Greek word, that only appears in this one verse 9 of Philippians chapter 1, it refers to a very high level of biblical, theological, moral, and spiritual perception. Agape love is very discerning. So Paul exhorts us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. Write this down, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So it starts with love. Love is the key component in your spiritual growth process. Point number three, spiritual growth continues with an overflow into excellence. What does love look like? It looks like excellence. Looks like excellence. Philippians 1 and verse 10. He says that you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve the things that are excellent see agape love causes us to overflow into doing and thinking things that are excellent it doesn't it doesn't do things half-hearted it doesn't do stuff that's sloppy agape love leads to excellence like paul's exhortation in philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 where he says finally brothers whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's any wor- anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These things. And you know, this is the amazing thing about love before we go any further. This agape love... It, it just, it forgets, it forgets all of the nuances that have been done against it. It doesn't have a memory of, you know, you messed with me, I'm going to make you repay. <laughs> you know, you did this, this, that, and the other, and I'm going to cause you to hurt. I'm going to do something back at you. This kind of love forgets all those things. Right. And this kind of love focuses on the need of the other individual. I think about my life and your life. When God, uh, when God saved me, I was 17. But that doesn't mean that God didn't show up before that. My whole life, God has been pursuing me. When I was one-year-old, two-year-old, three, four, all the way up to 17, when He finally got my attention, He was pursuing me. Now, it's an amazing thing to think about That's what God does with every human being. God pursues us. He will not pursue us for all time, the Bible says. He will not ongoingly pursue us. There will be a time when that will stop. But currently, and in this condition, in this state right now, spiritual growth comes as a result of His love pursuing us. So He focuses on what we need and He keeps on keeping on. I don't know how many times over the years people have had real struggles and hardships. And uh, I've, I've just really felt burdened to keep on praying, keep on giving, keep on loving, keep on doing. And I remember uh, a couple of different times people coming to me and saying, why don't you just give up on that person? Mm-hmm. Haven't you done enough already? You know, you just love, 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 and they don't get it. Well, <laughs> until the Lord says no, or there's, there's a discernment, there's a, another direction in my life, I'm going to keep doing that because just as Jesus does not give up on me, he does not give up on you. Right. Just as he c- pursues us until we catch him. You. <laughs> you know, we think, boy, I, I made a decision. I got saved when I was 17. No, when I was 17... I finally woke up and my eyes were open and he got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got me. So point number four, spiritual growth then goes from love to excellence. excellence, And thirdly, to sincerity and integrity. Philippians 1.10, the second part of the verse says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now the sincerity here is not just simply a sincerity that says, you know, I sincerely believe this, but if you believe a wrong thing, you're sincerely wrong. Amen. No, but this is talking about living a life and believing a truth sincerely, yeah. truthfully, with integrity. In, the first, in, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, make a note of this, he says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And then the last part of the verse says this, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Spiritual growth produces sincerity. It, it produces a welcoming, a sincere welcoming of truth truth that may expose who we are truth may that may enlighten to us a condition of our life a belief that we have or a pattern in our lives that needs to change we embrace that we sincerely embrace that oftentimes <coughs> excuse me oftentimes when people think about god's word being powerful and like a two-edged sword People talk about it and they even think about it in their minds about uh oh I'm gonna get some stuff exposed. As though that were a bad thing. There's almost a there's almost a, a proclivity toward protection. You know? God is gonna come and he's gonna expose all your garbage. And you think, man, I can't handle that. No, Spiritual growth means that you not only can handle it, you welcome it. Yes. Yes. Spiritual growth means that you welcome you welcome what comes from the Word of God. You don't fight against exposure. You don't fight against being revealed. You don't fight against the, the God of the of the creation of the universe uh, making known, Bob, this is what you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. This is a challenge in your life. Otherwise, I'd be perfect. Right? And that'd be a mess. Because I'm not. You know it. I know it. My wife knows it. Everybody knows it. So there's a process there. And growth is coming to a place where your love reveals itself in excellence. And excellence reveals itself in a willingness to be sincere with the truth. And let the truth... Come and do what the truth only can do. The truth transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. Yes. You don't get there without it. Point number five in your notes. Spiritual growth always leads us to do the fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness. Philippians one eleven. Paul says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Fruits of righteousness. What are the fruits of righteousness? Well, before we get there, just look at John 15, rather, verses 4 and 5. Uh, Write this down on on your notes. He says, remain in me, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is served from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's right. The fruit of righteousness is really an Old Testament concept. It refers to the New Testament truth known as good works. Fruits of righteousness are good works. Good works. Spiritual growth leads to a life of doing good. So think about it. I love. I'm swimming in love. Overflowing in love. I pursue excellence. Excellence results in my desire to be sincere in receiving whatever God has to say to me. That results in my desire to do righteous stuff, good stuff. I always think of the, remember remember years and years and years and years ago? They have Hawaii Five-O on now, but do you remember the old Hawaii Five-O's? Anyway, one of the little phrases that Dano used to always say back then, he'd, he'd see somebody do something really good, he'd see somebody do something righteous, and he would say what? Welcome, Dano. Welcome, but he would say, that was righteous. Oh, yeah. That was righteous. <laughs> that was righteous. In other words, you do a good deed, and somebody might come and whisper, that was righteous. Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit might just say so. Spiritual growth leads to a life of righteousness. Doing good works already prepared for us to do. Good works are not a surprise. Good works are not something you have to guess at. There's plenty of stuff to do, plenty of opportunity for us to exercise this. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Long ago. What an amazing God we have. What an amazing God. He knew that you would be where you are. He knew that somebody else would be where they are. He knew that you you were His child. He gave you and filled you with His love. You pursue excellence. You're willing to do whatever He tells you to do and to respond to his spirit, and you see this situation, and you act in love towards that other person, and you think to yourself, how could that happen? (laughs) Huh. Wow. It must have been a God thing. must have been a God thing. So, we do good works because we can. Not because we have to. You can't not do them. You can't not exercise righteous fruit because it's a product of your love, excellence, sincerity, your growth. It's a product of all of that. And guess what? There is something that God needs. Remember we said at the very beginning, He needs glory. Praise and glory. So at the end, spiritual growth should ultimately result in bringing glory to God. Amen. Philippians 1.11, he says, To the glory and praise of God. Reminds me of Paul, you know, he said in 1 Corinthians 10.31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. We are taught, we are taught that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Enjoy Him forever. In fact, it says in in John chapter 15 and verse 8, I think it's on the screen too, but he, he says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. My Father is glorified. So what is God glorified by? Before we get to that, let me say this. None of these things are generated by the flesh. None of these things are generated through religiosity. None of these things are generated as a result of you studying the right books or doing the right thing. All of these are generated by God in Christ in the power of the Spirit. His love, His excellence, sincerity, righteous fruit. So when you do that, God is glorified. God is glorified. And one spills into the other, spills into the other, spills into the other. You can't just say, well, I'll take God's love, but I'm not going any further. You can't do that because His love pushes you. His love motivates you. His love directs you. His love, it's almost like getting on an escalator. You're stuck. You're stuck. Unless you want to jump over on the other rail and go the other way. So, May his love increase more and more in your life, in my life. May it result in a greater sense of of openness to doing excellent things, thinking excellent thoughts. May it continue to grow to allow me to be receptive and sincere about whatever it is that God wants to teach me and whatever it is that he wants to tell me. You know, sometimes I think God has to use a two-by-four because I'm so hard-headed. But that's okay. God uses a loving two-by-four to get my attention. Whatever He needs to do, I welcome it. So I can do more righteous fruit. So I can do stuff that's good. Not so that I can get other people to say, Boy, that was righteous Dano to say that. No. I do it because of my overflow of love and growth in my relationship with God and the result of all of that is that God is glorified. Amen. Yes. God is glorified. Yes. And I, I want to end this morning with Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Paul says now all glory to God. All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father in heaven, you're glorified as we walk through these steps of spiritual growth. And I just pray that you'd help us that you'd fill us, that you would uh, motivate us, that you would do what only you can do. Thank you so much for being such an excellent and wonderful God. We thank you that we get to love you, you love us, we get to love on one another. We thank you that we get to pursue excellence, not only in our works, but also in our thoughts, thinking good things. And Father, we we get to respond positively to whatever direction you have for us, whatever it might be that you want to clarify. And that we can do righteous, righteous deeds for your glory. In my life, Lord, be glorified. In our lives, be glorified. In your church, Lord, yeah. be glorified. Glorified In Jesus' name Amen It's not on the screen But if you know it, sing it out so simple, it just says this In my life Lord, be glorified Be glorified Be glorified in my life you mm-hmm.